Pull back the curtain. Here we are, everybody. It's Saturday, August 15th. The Green Bay Packers have participated in real live, well, kind of, sort of football. They practiced on the field today for the first time uh, about two and a half weeks later than they anticipated initially. Uh, But this is the world that we live in currently. So we decided to sit here and chat for a little while. Uh, Justin spelled backwards. Welcome to the show. Thank you for coming and joining us tonight. I have some special guests with me tonight. Obviously, this is not a regularly scheduled show, so I brought in some different people for this evening. I am your host this evening. I am Jacob Westendorf. You can find me at Game On Wisconsin, at Jacob Westendorf, and over at Packer Report. I have Dusty Evely from basically the internet, uh, Packer Report. Uh, he's got his own page. He's got his own page now, uh, his Patreon page. So check that out. That's some really good live stream stuff. Every Wednesday, every other Wednesday, Dusty. What are we? I knew it wasn't every other time. Wednesday, but it's going to go every Wednesday during the season. Which holy crap, it's really close. That is, we are 29 days away, as we've talked earlier. And then I have California Stank Zach Jacobson, and you can find him <laughs> at W zero L V E N N. Zach, I don't know if you know this, but I picture that nickname with the background music of California Love. So I think that would be a great remix we can do. And of course, the queen, Maggie Loney, has joined us. Uh, If we're going to talk about A.J. Dillon at some point, then the leader of the A.J. Dillon hype train needed to be here with us. But, ladies and gentlemen, the biggest news of the day obviously came just before practice started. And Ken Clark, Kenneth Clark, Kenny Clark, is a full-grown man now, four years $70 $70 million, $25 million signing bonus, which is the largest signing bonus, according to Tom Silverstein, that they've ever given out to a defensive player, which I thought was interesting, surpassing the signing bonus given to Clay Matthews and Zadarius Smith. So that was kind of cool to see as well. Guys, real quick, let's just kind of go around. Maggie, what was your reaction seeing that Kenny was going to be in the fold for the next four years? I mean, it felt like it was about time, right? Like, I'm glad that it finally happened before the season started because the longer we waited, the more it was like, Oh shoot, are they going to be able to actually get something done? Are they going to wait until like December, which is kind of the Packers MO, right? Is like wait until the very last minute and then try and sign a couple guys before the playoff push. So the fact that he's done now and it actually helped the cap a little bit made me kind of excited. They might be able to get another deal done, whether it's like David Bakhtiari. And I mean, I think just thinking about the young defense now with Adrian Amos, Darius Smith, Preston Smith, all these guys locked in for the foreseeable future adding Kenny Clark only really, you know, improves that long-term. Well, there you go. Big B heard Maggie was coming. So he comes for, he <laughs> comes for you. Apparently you and Jamal Williams. So those are the two there. So uh, big B, I need to know though, who do you love more? Maggie Loney or Jamal Williams? I need Don't to know. Do that. You ha- we you know the to, answer. <laughs> and you have to, and you have to pick one. So those are the answers. Zach, back to the topic at hand here. Obviously we have Kenny Clark in the fold here for the long. Maggie mentioned some of the young core that's around now for at least the next three seasons, assuming the Packers don't have to make any surprise cuts or anything like that. Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, and Rashawn Gary are all in the fold for at least the next three years. And probably, I think it's a pretty safe bet to say Jair Alexander is going to be around as well. But what's your excitement level for this young core now? It seems like if you really look at it for what they're building, the Packers' strength moving forward is actually on the defensive side of the ball. Which is really weird to say, right? (laughs) So like, Maggie actually made a good point um, about how the Packers normally wait till December. They did that with Devontae Adams, Mason Crosby uh, in 2017. Granted, they weren't going to the playoffs that year, but still. As far as the this defensive unit, and that's not even including Shannon Sullivan, you know, some of the younger guys they had back there, 
they really have all those guys locked in. They have all the pieces they want. And Kevin King the other day mentioned how they have the two number ones on each side of the field with him and Jair Alexander. They have exactly who they want on that defensive side of the ball. And Brian Goodkins built pretty much that unit from really the ground up with the exception of Kevin King, of course, who was a Ted Thompson selection. But yeah, Kevin King, I mean, Kenny Clark, this, this was definitely long overdue. Keeps him in until he's age 29, I believe, adds a few more years to his, to his deal. So definitely, definitely needed to be done. One of my favorite stats about Kenny Clark when he was drafted was that he played a month's worth or just under a month's worth of NFL games before he could legally drink a beer. And I know nobody has ever actually consumed an alcoholic beverage before they turned 21. So that was interesting to me to see that as well. Dusty, something that I found interesting as Zach was talking and some of the points Maggie made as well is maybe a shift, you know, Zach said it was surprising or strange to think about that the defensive side of the ball is kind of the focus here. And I know the Packers have spent a ton of draft capital on their defense, obviously since 2010, but it's never been the strength of the team. And now I don't, think that anybody would actually argue that the offense is the strength of this Packers team that follows them closely. Is this a shift maybe in the way that the Packers are trying to build their team moving forward? I don't know. You know, the funny thing, I know that the perception last year was defense better than offense. If you go by football outsiders DVOA, which I, I tend to follow fairly closely, I think the defense ended up being 15th overall while the offense was eighth or ninth or something like that. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think really a lot of it is just giving out the big plays. So there's a ton of talent. Like you said, since 2010, like we've been having the same conversation for 2010. It seems like 30 years we've been having the same conversation of, well, they've got the talent. Now they just got to put it together. And Dom Capers isn't there, which is cool. But there's still <laughs> like, I mean, the, there is there's a big strength of the defense. Like there is, I mean, you look up and down, and even you know you got Jair, who you know you got to resign him. Kevin King, who knows? Um, I like him a lot. Uh, Amos and Savage, and now Kenny Clark and the Smiths. But that defensive line is still super, super shallow, man. Like even just beyond top end talent, it's Kenny Clark. Tyler Lancaster, who like two years ago was like he might be something, and now it's well, maybe he's fine. Um, uh, maybe Montrevious Adam takes a step. Maybe he doesn't like it's all, but that's just like, that's the frontline guy. So like even just the talent on there, if you don't, if you don't, I'm not a big fan of, um, I know Gutekind said it after the season as well. We're not building a team that can beat the Niners. We're building a team that can compete and beat everyone. But if you're going to get pushed around in the run game and that happened in the Eagles game as well, and they almost won that game, but they still got beat up a little bit. If you can get beat up, especially the way offenses are are rolling a little bit here with trying to get more multiple, getting a little more run heavy when you can, the ability to do that, and your defensive line is garbage, or at the very least, like can't hold up. You've got like one really good player there and no one else, and no one behind them from the linebacker spot. That's tough, man. Like I there is talent, but I think there is still like pretty big weakness there. Now, whether that gets addressed, I don't know. I kept waiting for it to, you know, Snacks Harrison is still out there and stuff, but um, I mean, them uh, clearly on offense trying to be a more balanced team uh, or, you know, at least the, the threat of being a more balanced team. It does make sense that you'd want to build up that defense as well. I mean, if you, if you want to try to run the ball a little bit more, um, if you, if you want to try to maybe play a more lower scoring brand of football, uh, the defense is super important there. So it does make sense, but I mean, they've been jamming picks at that, that entire side of the ball for like, again, 30 years now. And every year it's, they got the talent, man, they got the talent. So I, I like to be optimistic. Um, I'm optimistic about the offense. 
uh, the defense part of me is broken in that regard. Like I'm, I'm as optimistic as I can be about the defense, but honestly, like top 15 sounds, sounds right. If everything shakes, it could be top five. I just don't see everything shaking. Yeah. And that's fair. And I think that the most disheartening part of Brian Gutekunst's end of season press conference was when he basically, after they had just gotten, and now granted, I get it. The general manager, you like that. Maybe he's not a victim to recency bias. However, listening to him after they get ramrodded by the San Francisco 49ers for 8,000 rushing yards in one game for him to basically say, oh, yeah, we like the defensive line that we have. And then after that press conference, we're like, okay, that's got to be lip service, right? There's no way that's not that he doesn't address it. And then they didn't. (laughs) Like, they didn't add anybody at that position. Uh, Ross Uglum of Packer Report did report that the Packers made a competitive offer to Snacks Harrison during the offseason. Whether or not that comes to fruition, I don't know. Um, you know, it's it's strange because I don't know the percentage, but of players that opted out, they said there were 69 players who opted out was the final tally. And Dusty, stop smiling. <laughs> <laughs> no, one else, no one else was. What is this? I thought I was waiting was... for somebody to throw it at me, but okay. Some yeah, kind of 60... packed. What is this? What are you, what, <laughs> Maggie and Zach, what's wrong with you guys? Man? I don't know. But there were 69 players that opted out. A lot of them, and granted, this is just going off memory, seemed like they were defensive linemen. So, I mean, maybe that's something. Maybe Harrison's not going to play this season. I don't know. But I can tell you, if we do this show three weeks from now before the Packers play their first game against the Vikings, if somebody asks me, what's your biggest concern? It's the defensive line. And that is a maybe not a big gap, but it's defensive line, small gap, and then like the right side of the offensive line, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. So the next question that comes to mind, and it's in the chat, so we promise you guys we'll get to that. Who's next? And Brian Gutekunst said a few weeks ago when he had his presser that the priorities haven't changed. You just have to make decisions. Well, obviously we knew that was his way of saying we're signing Kenny Clark. Just everybody relax. We're signing Kenny Clark. He's told us for years. It feels like that Kenny Clark is going to be a member of this team for a long period of time. Now, after that, it gets a little dicey. uh, Maybe. So we'll see uh, what that, what exactly that means, but, David Bakhtiari, obviously, to me, feels like somebody that you absolutely have to re-sign. However, the counter-argument will be that he's on his third contract. Some issues with injuries, uh, not anything like Brian Balaga's extensive injury history, but it would be a third contract. Then you go into the groups like Corey Lindsley, Kevin King, Aaron Jones, players like that. So, guys, the nice part about getting Clark's deal done now is that they can – potentially use the franchise tag if they have to. Now, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the last time the Packers used the franchise tag was on Ryan Pickett. And that was in like 2009, 2010. It was a long time ago. They don't use it very often, but if they absolutely need to, that's something they can do with, I would imagine Bakhtiari is the only candidate that I just mentioned for the franchise tag. I've been very much upfront in saying, Kenny Clark, if Kenny Clark is one, then Bakhtiari is 1A or vice versa. I think that those are guys that you have to lock up. Bakhtiari is still young. He'll turn 29 this season. That's still a young player, a four- or five-year deal that Ken Ingles actually just chimed in, and I love it. He says, with Kenny Clark signing, I have a feeling Bakhtiari gets the franchise tag. So, Ken, thank you for chiming in. I think that that's a possibility as well. David Bakhtiari has made his point clear. His first uh, Zoom conference said, call my agent on his T-shirt, which was fantastic. So, Let's play the prediction game out of this, guys. Not necessarily who you think it should be, but Zach, 
who do you think is the next person, if anybody, to get a contract extension before the unrestricted free agency period is scheduled to begin in mid-March of 2021? Excluding Bakhtiari or? Is no, he- no, including anybody, anybody. So who's the next person that you think will get, maybe not that you would, because I think all of us are in agreement. If we could pick the person we're going to extend, it would be David Bakhtiari. Am I fair in saying that? You guys are nodding. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So who do you think is the next person, if anybody, to get that extension? I, th- I definitely think it's Bakhtiar, and I know how the third the third contracts are super rare in Green Bay. We've obviously seen that through you know through the last few years, but I think you can make an exception for Bakhtiar and just the sustained level of play that he's had since for the last several years, and especially with Aaron Rodgers, he's on the last leg of his career in Green Bay, which it, it feels really weird to say that. And we're going into the Jordan Love era, which also feels really weird to say. You kind of want to lock in that that blindside protector for your young you know, future heir to the throne, you know, the guy who's going to be protecting the future cornerstone of your franchise. You want to have that guy locked in David Bakhtiari, barring anything unforeseen, barring whether or not he has a, a steep drop off, uh, drop off in play. I think that's, that's definitely the, the one priority that you got to take care of next. Um, yeah, because we haven't really seen much, you know, much of a, of a decline, you know, no, he's still one of the one of the best players in the league at his position, if not the best player. I will say this: the Packers did give a third contract to Chad Clifton, and I've been talking about this quite a bit this offseason. Everybody talks about that Packers fans are spoiled with quarterback play, and that's absolutely factual. With Hall of Famers that have come through here, like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and then soon to be Jordan Love as well, that's forty-five straight years of Hall of Fame quarterback play, maybe up to sixty, depending on how long Aaron's here versus how long Love plays, all that stuff. But from a tackle play standpoint, they've really been lucky there as well. Chad Clifton was around for a long time, and he was basically paired with Mark Tauscher for the better part of a decade. After that, you had a minor sabbatical. I still can't believe that a team with Marshall Newhouse as its left tackle went 15-1, and one, but that actually happened. And then they had David Bakhtiari step in with Brian Balaga for the last seven years, and that was essentially your left and right tackle tandem. So I think he'll get a contract as well. Uh, thank you. Top left, dude. I'm assuming that's, yeah, I'm assuming that's me. So (laughs) Jacob is Jacob just commenting on this himself. Is that, I have a burner account. account? Absolutely not. Burner account. Yeah. Okay. My wife is upstairs. Allegedly she's watching tonight. So if she is, then I'm assuming that's her. Thank you, honey. I love you too. Um, (laughs) Dusty, let's get back on topic, but all the compliments you want to throw to me are certainly welcome here, but uh, Dusty. Yeah. Who is next on who do you think is next? Not necessarily who it would be. Uh, it's the elephant in the room. It's Billy Turner, right? I mean, it's. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, 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 person to get released? Because I don't uh, think he's going to be here next year. I mean, uh, so Bakhtiari is the obvious choice. I mean, so, uh, to me, it's Bakhtiari or no one. I really like Lindsley. Um, I, I was kind of hoping they would do something with Lindsley. I, I've been watching. There's something wrong with me, man. I've been going back through and rewatching, you know, games from this year and games from last year. Like, oh, what did I miss? A lot. I've missed a lot. Uh, Lindsley's terrific. Like, he's mm-hmm. he's better than I gave him credit for. Uh, and out of that center position, like that's that's huge, especially with a guy like uh, like Jenkins that hopefully is going to become, you know, a 16-time All-Pro. Uh, you know, just the early part of his career here that Lindsley's just kind of working next to him. Like, you, that's it's hard to beat that. So I would really like to see that. I. Just price tag wise, I don't know if that's going to happen. 
there's there's just there's so many questions on the offensive line. I mean, just again, like kind of depth stuff. They drafted some guys, but all whatever six round picks, and you know how that's going to shake, and just some of the contracts they have. So I I think if it's not Bakhtiari, I would think Lindsley. Now I did hear some noise at some point. Um, a couple months ago that they were going to do Jones and I love Aaron Jones more than anyone in this world. Uh, but the money they'd likely have to pay him. I, I don't want that. Um, so I'd say, I'd say Bakhtiari seems like the easy choice. Second for me would be Lindsley just, just because like next year, if they don't do something, the offensive line could look like a, just a total disaster. So I I'm Bakhtiari or Lindsley or no one, I guess. Those are, those are my, those are my three picks. Interesting with the no one choice there. Um, Maggie, what do you got here? Who do you think is the next person to get an extension? I mean, smart money says it's David Bakhtiari because I think that's who Packers fans want. That's who we would like to see. That's who Aaron Rodgers likely would want as, you know, protection for the long haul. But, you know, we know third contracts, like everyone was saying, not necessarily something that happens frequently in Green Bay. Um, as I'm with Dusty, I think Corey Lindsley – makes a huge difference. I don't think you want to start over at that position when already the right half of your line is kind of up in the air, but it like, is it weird to think that it might be Aaron Jones? Because I think you and I, Jacob actually have this conversation where normally when there's smoke, there's fire. And the smoke has been that Aaron Jones has been in contract negotiations with the Packers. And normally they wouldn't do that if he's somebody that they're going to let walk in free agency. So I don't know if it's smart money, but I think that if he's willing to sign a team-friendly deal, knowing what the running back market kind of looks like in free agency and knowing that there's A.J. Dillon and knowing that there's all these variables, he very well could be the next player and they could get him locked up before the season starts because I think of a guy like Dalvin Cook who has talked about holding out, which we know isn't the case anymore and that he's, I believe, at camp. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it it just makes sense for Aaron Jones knowing what the market is to want to latch on with the team and stay put because he might lose money if he actually does hit the market. I'm so happy you brought that up uh, because that's who I think is actually the next person to get an extension. Now, whether or not that's wise is up for discussion, obviously, but like you mentioned, where there's smoke, there's fire. And before the Packers hit free agency. So Dusty, you mentioned the time frame. It was before free agency, there was a report from Rob Domovsky that said the Packers and Aaron Jones had spoken about an extension. That was the same report that said they were going to make a run at Austin Hooper. Then Aaron Jones had been on, I believe it was NFL Network, and said that the two sides had been in discussions about a contract extension. To me, when is the last time that the Packers have been in discussions with one of their own free agents, wanted to keep them, and lost them? You've heard about it with... Brian Balaga, for example, or Blake Martinez, both of those guys, essentially, when they hit the market, they said radio silence was what they got. Nothing. They didn't hear anything from the team, which with Blake, I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful to him, but that was whatever. But with Balaga, a little surprising at least, but the Packers don't negotiate with guys that they don't want to keep. They just say, okay, we want to keep you. We're going to figure out a way to keep you. And if we don't want to keep you, then see you later. The only time that I can think of an exception was after the Super Bowl season when they signed James Jones again. And it was after basically nobody had any interest in Jones. He got a nice small contract to come back. Rodgers went to bat for him, all that stuff. The rest is history. James Jones became one of the coolest players to ever put on that jersey. My favorite player to ever wear number 89 with all due respect to Richie Rodgers. But I think Aaron Jones is the next one to get an extension. And I agree with what Ken said earlier. I think when it comes down to it, they'll kick the can with Bakhtiari 
give him the franchise tag and see what the cap looks like in 2022 because Bakhtiari is going to be expensive no matter what year he gets signed. Left tackles cost a lot of money. There's good reason for that. I can't picture them saying we'll let him walk when there's nobody on the roster currently. If David Bakhtiari gets hurt, nobody on this roster can play left tackle right now and you feel good about it. They don't have a prospect that they're grooming that you're like, oh, okay. It's not like when they drafted, I know it didn't work out, but when they drafted Jason Spriggs, that felt like a heir apparent type situation. Just didn't work out. They don't have any guys like that. There's nobody on this roster that is like, okay, that's the left tackle of the future, which is why I was kind of surprised about the Brian Balaga situation because there's really no right tackle of the future on the roster now either. But Zach mentioned it. You have Aaron Rodgers. You have Air Jordan ready to back up everything there. The last thing you want to do is give that guy no blindside protection and ruin the quarterback, David Carr syndrome, if you will. Let's go on the field, guys. Day one on the practice field today. And the first bit of information, and there was quite a bit of it, I'm so happy. It was so great watching Andy Herman give all these practice updates. And I know over the years people had complained about, oh, my God, do we really need play-by-play of training camp? After going through this offseason, the answer is, hell yes, we need play-by-play of training camp. I miss football so much, and I was so happy to see it back. But the first thing that I noticed was the right side of the offensive line, and that is they have a true open competition. And by that, I mean there are four starters on this offensive line that I believe are relatively set. Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, and Billy Turner. It's just a matter of what position does Billy Turner play, and do they think Billy Turner at right tackle is better then Billy Turner at right guard with Rick Wagner at right tackle and Lane Taylor playing right guard in the situation of Billy Turner being there. They didn't keep Lane Taylor to cut him. I know that much. He's a good player when he's been healthy last year. He just got displayed. He got injured and he got displaced by Elton Jenkins, who Dusty just told us is going to be a 16 time all pro and Dusty's the film guy here. So that checks out to me if Dusty says it, it's got to happen, but Dusty, what's your take on, they spent a little bit of money on Rick Wagner. It would be surprising to me if they spent that money to have him on the bench. But do you think this is, I mean, this really looks like a true open competition on that side of the offensive line. Which makes sense. I mean, Wagner was always a stopgap. Like, uh, it was a two-year deal with the, like they could get mm-hmm. out after one. He's basically like, we, we hope we got someone that can get behind him max two years. Uh, but he was always going to be, he was always a stopgap. And so, Listen, it's not the exact same thing because, of course, it's not the exact same thing. But if you want something that you can hang on to a little bit, you think of when the Seahawks gave uh, Flynn big money and then drafted Russell Wilson, and they were like, well. That is the last time we will mention that man on this show. <laughs> but yeah. Matt Flynn? No, no, like Matt no, Flynn. no, the other one. <laughs> Mr. Well, Unlimited. Yeah, Mr. Unlimited, yeah. yeah. No, you got to say it's unlimited. You got to say it right. I, You're going to say it, you say it right. That's Listen, right. There I don't you go. Hate, I don't hate anybody. I hate Russell Wilson. Like, I – He's just got such a punchable face and it's, it's, it's not wrong, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's, um, it's not, again, not that exact same situation, but it's something that you can at least say, well, this happened. Um, Wagner was always going to be, he's there. And like, to me, it was always, we got this guy cause we need a body at right tackle. And if someone unseats him, that's awesome. So if, if he's going in and it is the only thing that is strange it's the first practice and it's the weirdest offseason ever. So it's not like they've all been in the building. So to have him like, oh, okay, we're just going to throw, we're not going to have Wagner out there the first time. But again, it could be, who knows, man, just, just throw in to see what sticks. Um, but it wouldn't, I mean, if Wagner, if they spend money on Wagner and then he's going to make the roster, honest to God, wouldn't shock me one bit. See, I would be surprised if he didn't make the roster. I mean, yeah. 
I don't, I'm not saying that I would be like stunned, like when they cut Josh Sitton, but yeah. that was, I mean, that was like completely out of left field. You know, that was completely unforeseen. Nobody was even saying there was whispers that they could be tired of Josh Sitton and wanting him to leave. But Zach, something they brought up in the chat, Justin backwards. Cause I'm not even going to try to say that forward. Sorry, buddy. But uh, he said, do you think that Runyon could play John Runyon jr. Obviously could play right tackle if need be. So I know you've done some study and research on him as well. So what are your thoughts on Runyon potentially, maybe not this year, but being the potential right tackle of the future. I know he he can bounce outside if they groom him for the position, but I still think he's his best spot is on the interior just because he mainly from my perspective, he was my favorite of the three guys they took in the sixth round. So I think he's going to be the guy that kind of takes over that right guard position in the future. Um, of course, after you know, after whatever happens with Billy Turner, Lucas Patrick, Lane Taylor, whatever happens there, I think John Runyon is the guy that takes the reins right there. And but to kind of bounce off of what Dusty was saying earlier about kind of like you know the the Billy Turner and the Rick Ragnar situation that I kind of wanted to, to offer my input on. I think what well, I didn't I, ask you for your input on that. I asked you for your input on John Runyon. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, he wanted, I couldn't finish that. He wanted my opinion, Zach. He he said your he said in the chat he said yours didn't matter on this is what I heard. Oh, I know he doesn't he doesn't care about anything I have to say. That's that's, that's the norm. <laughs> I don't even know how you're here. I don't recall. Here, so. <laughs> I legitimately crashed. So there you All go. Right. Forget it. Whatever. All right. Zach, go ahead. I'm sorry. Zach, it's a good thing Zach has thick skin, guys. Zach is my longest tenured uh, – maybe Maggie surpassed him by now, but my longest tenured partner for anything like this is definitely Zach, and I have no idea how he doesn't hate me by now. So oh, I do. I Wait, you. you think I don't hate you? I didn't no, say that you didn't. <laughs> chill. Yeah. I wake up and I, I punch the air just realizing <laughs> – Hoping it's me? Yeah. Well, that, All right, go ahead, Zach. We've gotten off track. I apologize. Go ahead. That's my take me with your brilliance. That's my take on Dunn Runyon. I think he's your interior starter or right guard in the future. I don't prefer that he would play right tackle. I think he could if they groom him for the position because he has the skill set. He has that kind of versatility. He showed that in Michigan. Now, as I was saying about Rick, Rick Wagner, I don't think whatever contract you gave this guy in the offseason, I don't think that warrants just handing over a starting gig. Just like whatever you gave Billy Turner last year, the four-year $28 million contract he got, that doesn't automatically not qualify, but kind of lock him into the starting right guard position or a starting right tackle position for the foreseeable future. I think that's still definitely an open comp competition. And Lucas Patrick, obviously, I think he's kind of like the front runner there right now. So there you go, Jacob. There you go. Thank you. That's interesting because I'm thinking, looking for it, there's a world that exists. I'm not sure how likely it is, but there is a world that exists where John Runyon is your right tackle. Jake Hansen is your center and Simon Stepaniak is your right guard. Now, like, I don't think that's likely, but it's possible that all three of those guys are either starting or playing significant roles next year. I would say if I were betting right now, I think John Runyon is your starting right guard in 2021 with Lane Taylor being a free agent, Billy Turner, they have an out on his contract, or it becomes even more likely if Billy Turner plays right tackle this season and plays well, then they'll probably keep him over there get a draft pick to kind of groom behind him, but that's all in the future stuff. Maggie, talk to me about Lane Taylor because he's really one of those guys that it was kind of a given that the Packers were going to cut him to save cap space and they didn't. And again, this is kind of where I was talking earlier about maybe a different way of building the roster. 
and a different way of building the team. Because in the past, I promise you, if Ted Thompson was a general manager, he would basically say, I can get the same stuff out of Lane Taylor that I can, or pretty close to Lane Taylor for 80% of Lane Taylor for 10% of the price. And they didn't do that. They got, I mean, they did negotiate a pay cut with him, but they kept him around as a, well, one, a potential starter. We just talked about that or a high level backup. So what are your thoughts on Taylor as he comes into his 2020 season? I mean, I think Lucas Patrick was kind of signed on to be that foolproof insurance, but I think Lane Taylor now like surpasses him as foolproof insurance. Like you talked about what happens if David Bakhtiari knock on wood gets hurt. We've seen Lane Taylor play left tackle and it's not like the most amazing <laughs> thing in the world, but I forgot about that. <laughs> but we've seen him do it. And I think if you look at Rick Wagner, you know, there's Packer fans that want to sign Jared Valdeer back. And to me, Rick Wagner becomes potentially your swing tackle. Like if he doesn't get the starting right tackle job, if it's say Billy Turner and Lane Taylor is taken over at right guard, then you have a swing tackle on the roster who you've paid and their contract isn't massive, but they can still serve that role. So I don't necessarily see the Packers reaching for a guy like Jared Valdeer to come back when they have guys like Yash Nijman or, Rick Wagner, whoever is not taking over as one, like there's going to be an odd man out, right? Like you have the three guys vying for right guard and right tackle. So whoever that is, even if it is Lane Taylor, we know in a pinch, even if it's not ideal, that they can play swing tackle. So I think Lane Taylor is just, you know, really nice insurance at this point. And you said it best when you said they wouldn't sign him just to cut him. Like he restructured his contract. He wants to stay in Green Bay. And I think he kind of knew with his re-signing that the right guard spot is up for grabs. And Lane Taylor has a really good shot at actually maybe taking over at right guard. And maybe Billy Turner then is an expensive, but becomes your swing tackle there. And Lane Taylor's a good player. I think that's been mm-hmm. forgotten because Elton Jenkins was legitimately, for a rookie, great. And Lane Taylor has been a good player at that guard position since taking over for Justin. You mentioned him playing left tackle. I had forgotten about that, but it's true. He has, and I can promise you, it cannot be worse than the time Don Barclay tried to play left tackle. So I still have, when I think about like bad tackle play and how we've been spoiled, I remember the game in Arizona in 2015 where it was Don Barclay at left tackle and Josh Walker at right tackle. And I don't know how Aaron Rodgers was still walking after that game in particular. So <laughs> let's move on from the offensive line and go to the position everybody wants to talk about. And that's wide receiver. And the first one who really showed out today, the Canadian sensation, Reggie Begleton. So guys, the back end of that roster is a little interesting. The back end of that receiver room is a little more interesting because Devin Funches was essentially a roster lock. Obviously he's not playing in 2020 uh, opting out due to COVID-19 precautions. So with Funches not, being on the team, you would figure when he was here, it was going to be Devontae, Alan Lazard, and Devin Funches were pretty much roster locks. After that, I think you could make a pretty good case that any of those guys, I mean, I'd be surprised if Marquez Valdez-Scantling got cut, for example, but you could talk me into it kind of thing, kind of some open competition. With Funches opting out, that means only two spots or two spots are filled, if you will, and there's three spots that are up for grabs. Now, Dusty, I know your guy is MVS. You've been about as openly as big of a fan on him as possible. And I get it. Uh, I made a, I wrote a story for Pack Report earlier. I said, he's a, he's a one trick pony, but it's a hell of a trick. And it's one they absolutely need. You've heard Matt LaFleur talk about it. You've heard Brian Gutekunst talk about it. The need for that consistent deep threat that they really haven't had since the prime days of Jordy Nelson. And that being said, 
looking at the back end of this roster again, MVS, I would say is a pretty clear cut favorite for wide receiver three. I, I can't anticipate. I know a lot of people love Equinemia St. Brown. I would be very surprised if Equinemia St. Brown gets into that conversation, but looking at that wide receiver four or five spot, Begleton having a good start to today. I can't hurt his chances at getting into the back of the room. What are you, what are you handicapping his chances at as we go further? And obviously it's one day. I don't want to crown him. He's not going to be the next Sterling sharp. I understand that, but what are your, what are his chances of sticking on this roster and being an intriguing option? It's, it's one day of practice. I'm going to say a name that makes me sad and is going to make Zach sad as well. Cause we were both very big drivers of this hype train, but it's, it, it's oh. Trevor Davis, right? It's, it could be Trevor Davis all over again as my man. Uh, I mean, he was, I mean, I think of like the camp sensation guys, like his first camp, his first practice, even like his second year was like, you can't believe what this guy's doing on the field. Like it's, it's one handed catches, it's sideline toe taps. He was in sync. It was all this and it never, never clicked. So, I mean, you're right with the receiver room. I'm I say I'm a funny thing. I just went through 2018 and rewatched all of EQ's uh, offensive snaps and he's great. But the thing that really jumped out at me, like, Holy crap, MVS is good. Like I became a bigger MVS fan watching EQ in 2018 than I was an EQ fan. Um, he, he can do a little more. I'll, I'll bang the drum hard for MVS. He can do he, he can do more than just run fast on the field. This is not Jeff Janis. The man can actually run routes, which is which is awesome. That's really cool. Um, I'm I'm also a pretty big EQ guy. I think Bagleton, I kind of want to see more too, more from because right now, so I'm looking at it. You know, it's it's Adams, like I said, Adams Lazard, likely MVS. I'm putting EQ in there. That's your four, and like you said, after that it gets it gets wonky. I'm not. I say I am not a Kumaro guy at all, at all, because he's like I don't know, 37, and he has like five <laughs> career catches or something. But Roger seems to like him, and he's trustworthy. And at the very least, at the very least, he's um, a slightly faster Geronimo Allison with better hands, which like that's cool, that's fine, like uh, that's fine. Begleton, I like just fine, but I don't know. This one practice moves the needle for me because I've seen. You've seen these practice stories over and over again. Like this, this guy's looking really good. And um, I think it was Matt Schneidman uh, tweeted out the uh, Andy had had tweeted about like this anticipation route, and then uh, Schneidman actually tweeted out a video of it. And the throw was just the throw was tremendous because it was just it was a sideline pass that was just pure anticipation. And the Begleton route was great. Like that's I think that was great. That's amazing. Um, I think you also have Irvin. I think Irvin is is the sound like he's kind of vying for a, maybe a wide receiver spot too, which is awesome. So Andy Benoit is going to lose his freaking mind, and I can't I'm wait. So excited! I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I right now it's after one practice. I, his chances to me are as good as they were beforehand, which is maybe he sneaks into the back. There's just so much you don't know what's going to happen in the back end of that. But I'm not. I kind of want to. I'd like to see a little more, I guess, before I see anything because one practice is oh that's great. But you know, Josh Jones was also like this guy's going to be the next big hybrid guy after one practice, and we all know how that turned out. So. It was a game. Thank you. It was against Cincinnati and I was there and I've never been so enamored with a player after a game. It was just a completely different speed. And just Josh Jones was when it clicked and looked right. Damn. Josh Jones was good. Like he was. Yeah. No, I mean, he was basically like, like what, what his skill set was, was essentially like what I hope Raven green is going to mm -hmm. turn into. Yeah. but a higher ceiling than that. Like Josh yeah, Jones Raven, could have been it, man. Raven's a better football not. player than Josh Jones is too. I mean, that definitely right. is. Yeah. Yeah. Just speaking athletically. Yeah. But you know, 
Sure. So Zach, you've been on the EQ train as much, maybe as more than anybody. I think I even saw that you said that you think he could be wide receiver two by season's end. So tell me about just what it is that has you so, I don't want to say convinced, I guess, but just enamored with him through, I mean, he has my, my concern. The only thing I would say is I was, I had Equinemia St. Brown as a second round pick going into that draft season. And obviously he got drafted in the sixth round that didn't happen, but just to tell you the kind of player I thought he was, the only concern I have is he hasn't played football since 2018 and he missed pretty much all. Well, he hasn't played meaningful football since 2018. He played in a preseason game and his leg blew up in Canada in a game that never should have been played. But what are your thoughts on him coming back? They said he looked good running today. Is he the most talented receiver on this roster? Not named Devontae Adams. You could say that. I think you could say that just based off of everything he showed in 2018 as a rookie, he was able to form this cohesion with Aaron Rodgers. And I know Dusty would probably agree with me. He, you know, cause you watched every snap. He was able to kind of get on the same page with Aaron Rodgers, typically in, in a faster fashion than a rookie normally would, mm-hmm. as we've seen throughout, you know, Rogers career as a starter. And when you look at Equinemia as being out for that whole year, Maybe from a physical aspect, he was down for the count. He was he was gone. But mentally, he was able to kind of probably pick up this offense, learn everything on the fly while staying down. You're smirking. What's so funny? My mom is in the yeah. chat. Maggie's smiling about the same thing. So. You, you want to rip on me again? No, I'm glad my mom likes the hat considering she kind of helped design it. And I designed cool. it. So I would like to think that she likes the things that I put together. Oh, okay. Hi, Jacob's mom. She only likes Blake. That's the only good thing you put together. <laughs> I can't listen. Blake's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So I cannot <laughs> argue with that at all. Zach, well, please go on. <laughs> I really like Blake too. Um, yeah. So he was able to, I don't think he's going to be as far behind as a lot of people would normally think with a guy who's been out and away from football for a whole year. He's been able to kind of just sit back, pick up the offense mentally. And we all know for a receiver working there in Rogers, the mental part of the gig is probably the biggest thing as opposed to kind of the whole physical side of it. So, yeah, I think you could definitely say he is probably the most talented receiver on the roster aside from Devontae Adams. Yeah. I would say with EQ, too, the other thing is, like, his wow plays really are – like, I mean, there are some that come right to mind. The back shoulder fade against San Francisco on that Monday night uh, in October in the rain. There was actually the week prior – he turned a, a little crossing route mm-hmm. into like 60 yards because he reversed field and ran up the field. He was having his best game as a pro before he got concussed against yeah. the New York Jets. I think the next step that you've got to see from MBS and EQ, and it's something that I'm not comparing those guys to Devontae Adams because obviously Devontae was a second-round pick. There's a lot of differences between those things. Devontae flashed his rookie season that he could be a star. I don't think that anybody, any of those two guys flashed that they could be stars necessarily, but – just that consistency from game to game is the hardest part because anybody can make a cat. Like Trevor Davis had a game. I know Dusty mentioned him earlier. There was a game against Atlanta in the Georgia Dome in 2016 where he had a game and made a couple nice plays. He drew a huge pass interference penalty once against uh, Detroit at Lambeau Field. Mm-hmm. There just wasn't any consistency from game to game. And I still I went down with that ship with you guys because I was all over Trevor Davis as the best punt returner and gadget guy. And I was all for giving him the stuff, the reps they were giving Geronimo Allison. Sorry, Maggie, early in the season last year, but 
Maggie, we had somebody ask here, Mr. Jones R2 is asking, are you keeping five or six wide receivers this year? So I want to hear your thoughts on that because we've kind of talked about that theme of a new way of building the team. And there was a year, I think 2018, they kept eight receivers out of training camp and that was insane. So I don't think they'll do that, but five or six or more, maybe less. I just needed to be known that I literally came on the show to talk about AJ Dillon's quads and I've been on for 40 minutes and I have not gotten to do that yet. I so promised the whole show just... wasn't going to be about his quads. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think, you know, Dusty pointed to it and the fact that Tyler Urban is now lining up at wide receiver kind of make things a little interesting because I was convinced that they were going to keep five wide receivers, four tight ends and four running backs and that Tyler Urban was going to be the fourth running back. So the fact that now, you know, maybe he's your slot receiver and he is your gadget guy. What does that look like, right? Do they keep six wide receivers now? I don't see them only keeping three running backs. So does that open the door for Dexter Williams? Because Matt LaFleur gave him a little bit of praise earlier in the week during her presser. So I don't know. It's just, thank you, Mama Westendorf. You're my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I... It's still hard for me to think that they keep more than five, given, you know, they'll probably have to give uh, another roster spot to an additional running back. They're going to keep four tight ends, I would guess. So it still feels like five is the number. But I think if you look at a guy like Reggie Begleton specifically, I just wrote about this for Cheesehead TV. If you can latch onto the practice squad in any capacity this year, like depth matters more than ever. So if you have a familiarity in a system, it's important. So like an Evan Bayless is tight end five. Mm-hmm. He's probably not going to make the roster. He's not going to, you know, surpass a guy like Rob Tanyan right now, but you're one, you know, Jacob, you said you're one COVID swab away from, you know, kind of a derailed roster. So you have to have like a guy like you know, maybe it's Jay Kumro on the practice squad or it's somebody that can fill in in a pinch if you have a room that's decimated. So I think that I still see the Packers keeping five wide receivers, but I think that, you know, kind of that depth that comes on the practice squad is going to be more important than it probably ever has been to be a practice squad guy, because any week, you know, you could be without a starter for two weeks and then you have to call up somebody from that expanded squad. I'd be interested to see how that breakdown works too, because we just mentioned Lazard, Devante, MBS, EQ. I think those four have a really good chance of making the roster. I yeah. wonder, though, does Tyler Irvin, does that become wide receiver five? Or do they kind of do what the Bears used to do, like with Devin Hester, where like he's the punt returner, but eventually he became one of their starting receivers, which is such yeah. a sad state of affairs. But they listed him at receiver, so they didn't say we were just keeping a guy on the roster as a kickoff returner and a punt returner, even though he's the best maybe to ever do that. So I'll be curious to see if they do that instead of somebody like Begleton. I will say this, Dusty, I'll go back to you. Your point on Kumaro kind of goes into my line of thinking, and that is that I would say if it comes down to Jake Kumaro and somebody that's a little bit like Travis Fulgham, Malik Taylor, Reggie Begleton, one of those guys, I would rather keep one of those players. Just take a swing because honestly, if wide receiver five at some point becomes wide receiver two, you're kind of in trouble anyways. Like it's not going to be as big of a difference with, with Begleton or Kumaro as it would be as if you're not having Devontae Adams, obviously. So I'll be curious to see what they do on that, but I, I would like to see them take some swings on some athletic players towards the back end of that room, which they didn't do last year. Maggie, you asked, we'll do it. AJ Dillon is thick. Three C's. Three C's. Hot damn. I saw that photo today and was like, how the hell is anybody going to tackle him? Like Matt LaFleur said, 
Think about this. Matt LaFleur said in his press conference, Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator for Derrick Henry, this large human in Tennessee who happens to be the defending rushing champion. Says, I've never seen a running back built like that. Matt LaFleur is not an idiot. He remembers <laughs> having Derrick Henry on his roster. Maggie, you're conducting the A.J. Dillon hype train yes. right there with Christian Kirksey. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you have the floor because <laughs> I, I, I mean, I just picture – like I texted you, I was like, Anthony Barr might die. Like if he tries to tackle him, that's what not going to go. Response? What was my response? <laughs> Would that be the worst thing? <laughs> <laughs> Which the answer is, I don't think so. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. Tell me more about AJ Dillon and why he's going to be incredible and lead the NFL and break the NFL rushing record in his rookie season. <laughs> well, let's, let's not put words into the hype train's mouth. But no, I mean – AJ Dillon, like I naturally am excited about him because I every year make a list of players that I would like to see in Green Bay. And AJ Dillon is the first player that has been on my list that has actually gone to Green Bay, even though at the time I thought a second round pick was maybe a little rich, you know, for like a bruising running back. You wouldn't necessarily think that that warrants a second round selection in the draft. But the more that we see out of him, I think that there's a lot of potential there. And especially if the Packers don't sign, um, Aaron Jones back or, you know, if Big B is still watching, whatever happens with Jamal Williams, you're, you're in need of an extra running back. And um, the selection of AJ Dillon just proves that the Packers are invested in that. And, you know, there was some comps to Eddie Lacy today, which, you know, I think Jacob, you had tweeted, like, let's not make fun of Eddie Lacy. His rookie season was phenomenal. And if you he get that carried kind of, the offense, Aaron Rodgers you, broke his collarbone and he carried <laughs> the offense. That if happened. you get that kind of production, out of an A.J. Dillon, is anybody going to complain? And in December, and I love, love, love Aaron Jones, and I love Jamal Williams. Uh, outside of Big B, I'm one of the bigger Jamal Williams fans that exists. But, I like, you look at the production that Jamal has in the passing game, I think Aaron Jones is going to see a lot of that. I think you're going to get more, whether it's 22, whatever kind of personnel with multiple running backs on the field. I think it's going to happen, whether it's Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon, any combination of those guys. But – we talk all the time about how Matt LaFleur is getting the pieces he needs to make this offense successful and how he makes that offense successful is the idea of being multiple and being able to do a number of different things, whoever's on the field. So, you know, AJ Dillon hasn't been asked necessarily to catch passes because they didn't do that in Boston college. But I think in the NFL, that's just going to bring another level to his game. And I think there's a lot to like from that specific trio and, you know, whether it's Patrick Taylor, Dexter Williams, <laughs> whoever is that <laughs> yeah I mean whoever is the fourth guy there's there's just a lot of talent in that room right now and nobody literally nobody is going to be able to tackle AJ Dillon in December at Lambeau that's all that's it oh, hell no I can't wait to just I hope we get this figured out sooner than later so that I can be the idiot screaming in the stands about yelling and talking smack to linebackers that there's no way you can tackle AJ Dillon. I just, I just so look forward to that in the snow and the cold and nasty and the slush. (laughs) I just can't wait for that. So dusty, something that Maggie mentioned and something Matt LaFleur said the other day that kind of perked my ears up a little bit were his comments about Dexter Williams and Dexter Williams kind of became the forgotten man because in his rookie season, he came in, there was some hype around him because he really does look like a perfect fit in this offense when he's doing things well, but he kind of famously got undressed verbally in practice by Matt LaFleur one day was in the doghouse and never really got out of it. I think if you got some truth serum and Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur, you would get them to say LaFleur said he wanted Trey Carson. 
Gutekunst said, too bad I drafted Dexter Williams. We're keeping Dexter because I don't think he'll make it to the practice squad. But the question kind of got answered when Jamal Williams got concussed by a hit from Derek Barnett against the Philadelphia Eagles. The following week, 10 days later, when Williams couldn't play, instead of having Dexter Williams play, they called Trey Carson up from the practice squad. So I think a lot of people just assumed A.J. Dillon picked Dexter Williams out, but he said he was excited to see him this year. We're talking about maybe that roster breakdown with Tyler Irvin. Maggie said she mentioned that she thought there would be four running backs with Irvin being the fourth guy, obviously Dylan Williams, Jones, the first three. Do you think there's a possibility that one, they keep Irvin in this hybrid role and that opens like that fourth running back slot for someone like Dexter Williams, or if Dexter Williams plays well, that big B plug ears, Jamal Williams is playing <laughs> elsewhere in 2020 instead of 2021. Uh, first of all, Jacob, all things are possible. So jot that down. Um, I, think I think that's in the Bible. So I'm pretty sure that um, you're not, uh, <laughs> that's not an original quote, but. Uh, no, we'll write it down next to you. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I think, I think one of my big things that I really, really like is uh, they did it. They ran a lot of it last year. Not a lot of it. It was when Devonte was out. One of the most successful packages was the, was the pony package, which was Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones on the field at the same time. It opened up a ton of stuff. I mean, Obviously, Aaron Jones, you can put him wherever. Dude was like, <laughs> uh, dude was in the slot and outside. Uh, that Kansas City game, they're legit like just putting him outside and he's just roasting people. Uh, but they couldn't do it very long because they had those two running backs they could trust. So I kind of, part of me thinks, I mean, the Irvin wide receiver, I think, does open that up. Um, part of me thinks, I mean, if, if LaFleur really is just trying to like, okay, we're, tr we're trying to do whatever we can here, we're rolling out packages that can do anything. If you get, I've talked about this before. One of my all-time favorite formations is is pistol diamond, where you get like the full house formation. Mm -hmm. Then you got to get someone a pistol. You could legit have three running backs there. And the, the reason they didn't do pony more than they did was just because they had those two. You can't throw everyone out there for 100 percent of snaps, or else they're going to get exhausted. But if you've got that rotation, you can throw all three running backs or some rotation. Put Sternberger back there, Deguara or something. <laughs> and then you can get... stop you because what's going on <laughs> what is the picture know. in your background i don't know which one i think she's talking about the one over your right shoulder over that here one. that's yeah. doctors that's dr zayas he's a distinguished doctor uh from the play of the apes movie he's uh you know you know maybe a little too close to the letter of the law as opposed to the spirit of the law which i, I personally do not agree with his politics but um very distinguished man rose to rose to the ranks <laughs> Sorry, I, that was way too funny to not go with. So, Dusty, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Um, so, if you so if you can get if you've got four, that means you can throw out a package that has Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, and then you know maybe AJ Dillon or something, and you can go power run or spread offense or put Deguara back there, and then you've still got running backs behind you. Um, I I don't hate that. So if they if they end up do going five wide receivers with Irvin as the five and they go four running backs, that opens up a lot of stuff for them. And if they like Dexter Williams as that fourth, they I think that gives them even more versatility, uh, gives them uh, even more. They can they can kind of lean on that stuff that they that they showed last year that LaFleur really wanted to do. He just couldn't just based on the personnel. So it wouldn't shock me a bit. And I would really, really like to see that. Yeah, I find the, the illusion of complexity, that was like the buzzword from last year, right? Is now they can actually have an opportunity to do that. And you mentioned it. People ask, why don't they use the two running back system more like they did last year? And you answered it because you can't have Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones take 100% of the snaps. It's no. just not. Devontae Adams doesn't play 100% of the snaps, and he might be the best receiver in football. So 
it's it makes sense. Towards the end of the year, they did a little more with Tyler Irvin and Dusty. You had a lot of stuff on there too um, from your various writing platforms on the stuff they were able to do with Irvin. And that Seattle postseason game really was, I think. I don't remember if it was you or Peter Bukowski. Maybe both of you said this today. I don't know. There's been a lot of football talk going on today, and I love it. But the idea that that Seattle game really was a glimpse into what exactly the Packers want their offense, and Matt LaFleur wants his offense to look like. High percentage of play action, motion, running backs, gadget players like Tyler Irvin, stuff like that that they weren't able to do a ton of until really Irvin got here and got comfortable in the offense. You know, the other problem they ran into, obviously, because they asked, why don't you do more of that stuff against San Francisco? Well, the San Francisco games both went to hell in a handbasket very, very quickly. And it's hard to do stuff like that when there is no, it's kind of like, I, I always make the joke of nobody falls for a play action fake when you're down 31 to nothing, because I mean, if you run it, big deal. Awesome. We're not giving up a big play. So I'll be curious to see exactly how that works. But yeah, Zach, AJ Dillon's a big boy. Aaron Jones obviously is awesome. Jamal Williams has a role here as well. Tyler Irvin, we've talked about. How many running backs do you think they keep? And then obviously we've talked about the fullback position as well. The Packers have kind of moved in. Josiah DeGuara, there are people that are really disingenuous about this pick and call him a fullback, which is, oh, I almost said a swear. Nonsense. <laughs> um, because I think that's their way of saying they don't like the pick because they say it was a fullback. Josiah DeGuara is a tight end. If I'll say this, and listen to me when I say this. If Josiah DeGuara is a fullback, so is Jay Sternberger because that's how the Packers used Jay Sternberger last year for a, for a majority of some of his time in there as well. So right. Jay Sternberger is not a fullback, neither is Josiah DeGuara. At any rate, Zach, how do you think that backfield eventually shakes out as far as number of running backs? Do they keep a true fullback, not including DeGuara, on the final roster? I think they roll with three, three running backs. I actually made this prediction with Eli on our on our open book show, and I know Big B's obsession with Jamal Williams. So you know, I don't want to like offend him or anything. But plug your ears again, Big B. Yeah, be not, I'm, I'm being nice and giving him fair warning. That was the one surprise cut that I predicted, mainly because you got Aaron Jones, you have AJ Dillon. They drafted him in the second round, so they obviously view him very very highly. And then you have Tyler Irvin, but now, you know, he may be transitioning to the wide receiver position, but he's obviously listed as a running back. So really know what's kind of happening there, but I don't see them keeping more than three running backs. If he transitions to a receiver, then sure. Jamal Williams probably sticks around, but regardless of what happens there, whether it's Jamal Williams or Tyler Irvin, whatever, I don't see them keeping more than three running backs. And as far as the fullback position, I also don't see John Lovett, who is probably like, Maybe you could say he's like the only true fullback of the bunch they have there. He's also pretty versatile still, but I don't see him sticking around on the, on the roster either. Just You got Jay Sternberg who can play in that H-back role. Josiah Degar who can play in line. He comes out as, as a receiver. He can play in the slot and come, come in the backfield. And obviously that's something that, as we talked about earlier, Matt LaFleur wants his players to do. They want him to play you know, in these various positions. They want them – sorry, Big B. He wants them to – you know have that versatility to them. It just makes them that much more valuable as players. So that being said, I don't think they keep one true fullback on the roster. There's just so many different possibilities and so many different ways that they can attack defenses with the guys that they have. So there's really no true purpose in just keeping one true fullback when you have guys who can come in and play in the backfield and fill that role. 
Yeah. And I know earlier, this is my Jimmy Christensen esque flex earlier this off season. When I talked to Jay Sternberger for the pack a day podcast, he said that the Packers have a versatile offense. He'll play some in the backfield. He'll play some in the slot. They'll move him all around. And if that's the plan for him, they obviously have that plan for guys like DeGuara. I think Robert Tanyan could do that. I don't anticipate Mercedes Lewis doing much as a fullback H back type stuff, but this also isn't really like in order for someone like John Lovett, like you mentioned to make the roster, the sense of normalcy of an off season was so important for something like that to happen. I really think that this is the year for where roster predictions, assuming everyone's healthy, haven't tested positive for COVID haven't gotten injured in practice. It's going to be a little more chalky, if you will. Whereas at the end of, you know, some training camps are like, Oh wow, they kept this person instead of that person and that kind of stuff. It's just hard to do that when there's no games to kind of separate stuff. And I know the coaches have said they're going to do all kinds of things that they can to kind of simulate game action and everything, but they're really, I've often thought that preseason football is a necessary evil and it's not for guys like Rogers and Tay and players like that, but for the back half of the roster, that's fighting for either Alan Lazard is a perfect example. The Packers, and other teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars had them on their practice squad because of the tape he put on preseason film. So that's a really good example of how a player can earn a job based on preseason football. Yes, it's not the greatest product, but that's who that's for. And I think you're going to see kind of the after effects of not having preseason football this specific season. Guys, real quick, we're running really long, a lot longer than I anticipated. So let's just go here real quick. Camp storylines, obviously. What are you guys looking for, Zach? I'll start with you. The next, you know, there's 29 days until they take on the Minnesota Vikings. Between now and then, what's something that really has your attention between now and that first game of the season as far as training camp goes? I want to see who that fifth wide receiver is. I want to see, well, as far I predict that they carry five into the season, but I want to see whether they carry five or six. And I want to see who those last spot or a couple of spots go to, whether it's Jake Kumro, Reggie Begleton, or apparently Tyler Irvin, you know, and really that's just a testament to how little we know when, you know, back in March when they signed Devin Funches, you know, and everyone was complaining about the lack of receivers. We didn't know what their plans were. And now we're seeing they're slowly moving Tyler Irvin into a receiving role and getting him more in tune with the offense, as opposed to being more of a special team teams guy and an occasional gadget guy. But yeah, I definitely want to see how the bottom end of that wide receiver depth chart sh- shakes out and how many guys they carry into the regular season. Dusty, what do you think? What's got your eye here for the lat for the next three weeks? A receiver's a big one. I mean, honestly, I'd kind of forgotten. Um, whenever I talk about Tyler Irvin, I talk about him as a wide receiver because I forgot he was ever a running back to begin with. So this that 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 part feels natural. Um, it's offensive line. Uh, I mean, for me, it's that right side we talked about a bit today. Kind of is that is that just something they're trying out, or is that something they're legitimately looking towards going forward? That Wagner is maybe not the stopgap. That Wagner is entering the season is back up um, that they are. I mean, the, the Billy Turner thing, I know people talked about that before with the the right guard. If you're going to put him somewhere, just put him somewhere, stop moving him around. Just, just have him stick somewhere and sit there. Um, but if he shakes at right tackle and, and Lane Ta- Taylor plays uh, right guard, like it, is that going to work? Is that what they're going to go with? So, I mean, to me, uh, I mean, <laughs> I wish I could say defensive line, but I feel like I already know what that is, and I hope a guy takes a step. But the offensive line, it just seems like there's a handful of different combinations, handful of different shuffles that could happen that that wouldn't surprise me, and I also have no idea which way it's going to go. So, um, I, I mean, it's that that's got to be it for me because Zach took mine, so that's my second. 
Sorry. Maggie, other than AJ Dillon's legs, what are you looking at here for the next three weeks? <laughs> no, I mean, to me, like, I'm a little surprised nobody else talked about it, but inside linebacker, right? Like, we know Christian Kirksey is starting, and I've been high on Christian Kirksey from the jump. He was one of the inside linebackers that I was hoping Green Bay would bring in. So I'm excited about him and now kind of getting to see who plays outside, like, opposite him, whether it's a Raven Green in a hybrid role. Um, to me personally, I think it'll end up being Ty Summers, but it's early. We know Orenberg started there today. They drafted Kamal Martin. Curtis Bolton looked really impressive before he got injured last preseason. So I think kind of that inside linebacker two role is really up for grabs. And there's there's a lot of potential whoever kind of sinks into that role um, to play opposite Kirksey, what they can do. So that's kind of where I've been focusing with, you know, just this one limited practice. Man, Curtis Bolton, talk about an easy guy to root for, too. Just the stories that we've read. We were able to speak with him last week as well. And that he's just really easy person to root for. It really gave us a lot of insight in what it's like to be a man in his position as somebody who was an undrafted free agent, kind of working his way into the NFL, really, because he's essentially he's got the mental advantage of everybody, but he's kind of kind of a rookie in the same sense. So definitely be rooting for somebody like that. Mine is whether or not they call Tremont Williams. I don't think they're going to do that. And, uh, that that makes me sad, obviously. But the slot corner role in general, I think that they have some – it seems like Shannon Sullivan is the odds-on favorite for that position. You know, I wonder if they have a potential possibility of playing something to where if Kadar Hallman or Josh Jackson or somebody like that steps up, if they were to slide Jair Alexander inside like that or if they were to move uh, Darnell Savage down into that – kind of Tyron Matthew sort of role. That's something I'll be paying attention to here in the next three weeks before we get to camp. Uh, we do have one more thing that we want to talk about. For those of you that have stuck around, congratulations and thank you. You guys get the first clips on that. We have a giveaway. Kenny Clark signed his extension today. I have an autographed photo of Kenny Clark. I am giving this thing away. There is a signature right here on the bottom. All you have to do is follow our Twitter account at GameOnWI, and you can find instructions on how to enter to win that there. It will be a random drawing. Staff members cannot win, so sorry to Maggie and Zach. Uh, I got Dusty. one right there. He's in my frame. He's in your frame, so you're already good to go. Dusty, I guess you could technically win, although that sounds like <laughs> something that I need to fix then is what, uh, what that feels like. So go ahead and check that out. I've got more stuff for... Uh, giveaways and such that we're going to do later. I do have hat giveaways, but with Kenny Clark signing his extension, I wanted to do that first. I have some other stuff. I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is just yet because I want to keep that under wraps, but I will tell you it is related to a pair of brothers on the defense, if you will. So go ahead and let that figure out from there. So guys, again, you can find that um, on our Twitter account, which I'll throw across the bottom here at game on WI and subscribe to our YouTube channel game on Wisconsin. Aaron will have all of our stuff up on how you can win and what you need to do for that. So autograph photo of Kenny Clark. This was a lot of fun guys. We had queen Maggie Loney at Maggie J Loney. You can follow her on Twitter. We had dusty Evely. You can find him just about everywhere on the internet and, uh, check out his live stream guys. I am a patron, so I cannot recommend that strongly enough. I, Enjoy that. And uh, we have our underground society. What did, what did we decide we were calling that? that the, <laughs> the shadow government? Was, the or? first rule was not to actually talk about it. So uh, well, it's, that rule's been broken. And then uh, California <laughs> Stank, like I mentioned, you can find him before he gets suspended <laughs> again on Twitter. And <laughs> um, you can also see Zach. He does open book every Wednesday now with Eli Berkowitz. And you can see Maggie. She does happy hour every Monday with Perry Goldstein. And you can find me tomorrow. I am on Pulse of the Pack at 4 o'clock. And I have a special guest in Daniel Plucker from 
105.7 The Fan. So that'll be a fun little interview that we've got going. We've got some stuff coming next week. And then you can find everything, gameonwi.com. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for following along in the chat. We appreciate you guys for following all along with us as much as you have. We've enjoyed every minute of it, or at least I'd like to think that we have. Maybe Zach can tell you differently, but we'll definitely do this again. Uh, as training camp gets going, like I mentioned, 29 days away from the very first game against the Minnesota Vikings in that hellhole in Minnesota. But it's not a difficult place to play anymore because there won't be any fans in there. So maybe they'll still play the video of Anthony Barr sacking Aaron Rodgers and everybody in Minnesota can just have a big happy moment about that since that's like a top three moment in their franchise history. So there you have it, guys. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. 